Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm a confidence coach and instigator of joy. I believe that we are all so much more powerful than we can possibly understand. My goal with these conversations is to introduce you to brave, vulnerable people who are finding and owning their awesome. My guests are leaning into what makes them unique and sharing that uniqueness with the world. I hope these conversations inspire you to break free from whatever is holding you back and to step into your own greatness. Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My guest today is Annie McElveen. She's a strategist, a relationship builder, an organizer, and a fun instigator. After searching for fulfillment, working in event management, media production, and brand marketing, she stumbled into the leadership development field and found a calling. A reformed type A perfectionist, today Annie combines her natural skills with her professional background to help overwhelmed and overstretched professionals create space to live the life they love. She practices what she preaches by living her favorite life, competing in triathlons, gardening, cooking, and playing with her two dogs and husband on the beach in sunny San Diego. I just love that bio so much, so I had to read the whole thing to you guys. Welcome, Annie. Hi. Thanks for having me, Kelsey. It's so, I love that you're a fun instigator because I'm an instigator of joy. So I yeah, feel yeah. like we're just going to instigate a lot right now. I'm in. I don't know where we're going. <laughs> I know where <laughs> Which makes me nervous. But that's <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's talk about your um, reformed type A perfectionist. I was going to say, I should point out that I'm sitting here with a notebook and a pen. <laughs> I got my rose quartz <laughs> and a piece of lava from Iceland. Wow. Yeah. I got none of that. I got lots of pens, uh, lots of notebooks. I got a couple of candles. That's, that's about as woo as I go. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, what was it like? Like when you were, so you're a reformed perfectionist. Yeah. It's, it's, a, perfectionist. it's an everyday process. Okay. Yeah. What, talk about <laughs> the process. Um, so I was always, even as a kid, right? I was one of those kids who um, got very good grades. And if I didn't come home with an A, I would cry. Right. My parents put no pressure on me like, whatsoever. So I don't know where it came from. Um, but I was always a kid who forced myself to take, you know, the highest level classes, um, all the way up like through college. I was still pushing myself. I did two majors in college because I was an overachiever. Um, and I remember so distinctly when I was a freshman, we had this preceptor who said, um, she said D equals diploma. That was her advice. <laughs> and, uh, and that always just sat really badly with me. <laughs> I didn't understand. And it's been, uh, it, it's been what, a 10 year journey to get to the point where I'm like, okay, life is not all about checking off the boxes, right? Life is about enjoying the everyday experiences. Um, and so I've, I've come to this healthier balance where, uh, Checking the boxes is more of a pathway towards enjoying the life experiences. Mm, I like that. Can you explain more? Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, uh, I, I think about triathlon. You and I are both triathletes, right? Yeah, and uh, I should say we met through Team Betty. Yeah, go yeah. Betty. Go Betty, yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, so for me 
people ask when, when I say I'm a triathlete, they ask, you know, Oh, what do you like most? Do you like the swim? Do you like the bike? Do you like the run? And I'm like, none of it. Like all that stuff hurts. <laughs> what I love about triathlon is the organization required to pull this sport off. That's what gets me excited. Right. The list oh my of God. Gear. I love you. It's true. I get so nerdy about this. I love, I love all the pieces you get to put together around the sport to optimize your life. Right. I love getting geeky about the nutrition, about your rest, about your optimizing your sleep. I love putting together the lists required to keep track of the gear and like what schedule I'm going to keep my bike maintenance on. Like that's the stuff I geek out about the swimming, the biking and the running is just the stuff that I have to do in order to participate in the sport. <laughs> this is fascinating. Cause that's all stuff I don't like. Really? So, Except the- for like, you know, maximizing sleep, nutrition and, and recovery. Like I'm, I'm pretty keen on all of that. Yeah. But the, Oh, bike maintenance schedule. Oh, hell no. (laughs) But you need it. Yes. (laughs) And I just don't follow the schedule. I do it. I I could be better. Okay. Absolutely. (laughs) Maybe it's because I don't have a bike maintenance schedule. I never even thought of that. Right. But then how many mechanicals have you had in races? Well, don't ask a question like that. Um, (laughs) Well, there was a time I crashed. Yeah. So that wasn't due to me. And there's the time my arrow bars broke, which I also don't think was due to me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but geez, now I'm going to get myself on a schedule. <laughs> <laughs> but these are, so these are all like the little steps, right? That we take and we have to take in order to optimize our performance in the sport. Yeah. Yeah. I did my first race this season in March. Yeah. Um, I was actually thinking it was, I was just thinking about how much of it was an adventure race and an organizational race and Mm -hmm. that triathlon is so much more than swim, bike and run. Yeah. And it's such a, like how fast you get your wetsuit off and well, you swim in a wetsuit and how quickly you navigate through the fog Mm -hmm. and oh, just a bunch of other stuff. Also your sunglasses, like, your strategy for sunglasses. So it was super foggy and I tried riding with them down a little bit because I couldn't see anything with them on. And then they couldn't put them in my helmet. So I had that one pocket in the back of my tri kit. Like, okay, yeah. well they stay there. They will, they stayed in for um, 25 of the 26 miles. <laughs> and then I went out on the run. I was like, where are they? But it was just, yeah, all the logistics required. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a wonderful person, by the way, picked them up because there was a whole stack of sunglasses at the end. I obviously hadn't been the last, the only one to lose <laughs> on the bike. That's um, reassuring. Yes. But yes, it is a high organization sport. Yeah. And there it's are levels to it. Yeah. So go ahead. Right. So when I think about, um, when I think about triathlon, I think about the different barriers to entry, right? So when I first got interested in the sport, I, I, like so many others, I saw the NBC Kona coverage, right? Which is this beautifully produced one hour of television 
where you see these people overcoming extraordinary odds and you're crying and there's just so much emotion and they did this huge thing and you're like watching it going, I could never do that. Like, that's just amazing. That's somebody else's life, right? And when I first saw the Kona coverage, I, I dug a little bit into it to just be like, what is this crazy thing and these crazy people doing this? And that was when I found out that like Kona's its own thing. Yeah. It's, it's the world championships. You've got to qualify. It's, it's, it's like the high being of triathlon, but a sprint distance, like that's, it's like Goldilocks. Like I could do that. <laughs> so when you think about like a barrier at entry, I worry sometimes that like people see Kona and they think Kona is triathlon because it's not right? right. It's one piece of triathlon, one small piece of triathlon. Um, so going back to this sort of thought of getting into sprints, like you can do a sprint triathlon with a borrowed bike and a helmet, a bathing suit, a pair of running shoes. Like that's really all you need. Yeah. And you got to pay an entry fee. Um, so we can really make it as complicated as we want. Yes. Yes. And we do. <laughs> it's true. The, the complications I was talking about, about that March race, like, I didn't have to wear a wetsuit. Yeah. I chose to wear a wetsuit because I was cold. In hindsight, I strongly prefer not swimming in a wetsuit. So maybe next time I would just choose to be freezing. Yeah. But again, I don't like being cold. Um, and then, yeah, I could have made choices. If I had known that it was foggy up there, I may have made choices not to even bring the sunglasses. Yeah, there's, a, I mean, we always, always, always have a choice. Right. As there in life. There are those like, different options. Yes, as in life and in triathlon and in everything. Yeah, you can make it as hard as you want. I think about that with um, all the smart trainers have, that have come out. I think you and I have talked about this a little bit before where – I got a smart trainer and I like it a lot. I, I like that I can set sort of my uh, resistance level. I can just set it and forget it and go. And I've noticed an improvement in my cycling. At the same time, I've got an hour blocked out on my schedule to get my ride in. I don't want to spend the first five to 10 minutes of that block plugging the thing in, getting my tire pressure right, making sure it's calibrated. Oh no, the Bluetooth isn't connecting properly. Like I'm pushing all these watts, trying to get the thing just to calibrate. That drives me crazy. Like the inefficiency of it drives, it drives me crazy. And so sometimes I kind of look at like my old, you know, standalone trainer and just be like, come back. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want this to be so complicated anymore. And I think that's actually really interesting. So I'm still on the standalone trainer. Yep. And my initial rationalization for that was because we were traveling in a camper and I couldn't actually use a smart trainer. Yeah. Um, now I just don't, yeah, all that excess stuff, just you were talking about just to ride my bike. I just right. want to ride my bike. I still want to use power. I have a power meter on my bike. I use it. I am very grateful for it. Yeah. But we can make things so complicated. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, with, with bikes in general, I still know nothing about bikes. Um, my first is actually a funny story. When I did my first triathlon, I did all my training on a, like a spin bike. Basically I got this $300 stationary bike off Amazon that I set up in our, our home gym. And, and that's what I did all my training on. 
And then the week before the race, I was like, I really need to get a bike. <laughs> I can't race on this stationary bike, right? So I go to my local bike store. I basically say, like, I have $500. Like, this is what I'm doing. Like, what, what, just get me a bike. What do I do? And of course, none of the road bikes they had were in that budget. And so he was like, well, we have these like flat bar bikes. And I was like, cool. And he's like, okay. He's like, you want to go try it out? You know, there's a parking lot. I'm like, okay. So I walked the bike outside. And like, I couldn't, it had been years since I'd been on a bike. I'm like, how do I get on this tall bike? Kid you not, I walked the bike up to a wall and I tried to mount it like a horse. <laughs> and I fell over. <laughs> And I was like, okay, maybe that was not, that's not it. And so I finally figured it out and I get rolling and like, I hadn't dealt with gears. I knew nothing. And so I dropped a chain in the middle of the parking lot and I was like, oh God, I don't know what to do. Like I figure out how to get the chain back on. And I'm thinking like, oh, I, I broke it. Now I have to buy it. And so I bought this bike <laughs> and then my, my whole race on this, you know, little flat bar bike, which was fine. Like I was totally fine. I probably could have borrowed a bike had I do it again. Um, but again, making it as complicated <laughs> as I wanted. And that was all I needed to get through my first race was a simple little flat bar bike. And now I look at um, wanting to be a little more competitive and I moved up to getting a road bike, which made things a lot easier. And then I've been back on this, you know, well, I really would like a tri bike. But then I look at tri bikes and I'm like, I have no idea what that is. And I feel like there's a lot of things on that bike that's going to break. Do I really want to go there? I don't know. My, my story of my first bike is kind of similar, although I did not try and mount it like a horse. <laughs> I, um, I was living on the coast of North Carolina in grad school and I had done one race, like the, the Duke Marine Lab put on a race that I had like a week to prepare for. I had done that on my orange mountain bike. Hmm. And, and then I did all the training for my first triathlon, which I had signed up for, um, as I was my last year of my master's program, I was like, I need something else to focus on other than just this master's project. Um, so yeah, I did all the training on this mountain bike, which was like driving a tractor. Hmm. And then I called the closest bike shop was an hour away. And I called them, I'm, I'm really tall. I'm just shy of six feet. So I called and I was like, do you have any bikes that would fit me? And at less than $500 and they had one. So I just went, got it, brought it back. I think I had like two weeks before the race to practice using that. Awesome. But you did it. I did it. And I was completely hooked. Were you? Yeah. Completely hooked. I don't, I think I didn't buy... I got a new bike a couple of years later, eventually added aero bars, got my first tri bike. I don't know, maybe like a few years after that. Uh -huh. So what was it, what was it that hooked you? The whole thing, the excitement. I just fell in love with it. So my first race, real race, because I don't remember the Marine Lab one very well at all. Um, but the first one I remember when we're going to the pre-race meeting and it was very, very serious. Like, okay, I'm here to learn everything. And then seeing people come up, they had tri bikes, they had like disc wheels on their bikes, hearing that click, click, click as they wheel their bikes by and just being like, Oh my God, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I just, I don't belong here. 
And just, I think I smiled during the whole race. Yeah. I just had so much fun. See, for me, it was that idea of like, okay, I did this. I can't believe I did this big thing that I never thought I could. And like, now how can I get a little better at it? You know, how can I clean up those, again, type A perfectionists, how can I clean up those inefficiencies Mm -hmm. (laughs) to get a little bit faster? Um, And for me, like transitions are my jam. That's, that's what I pride myself on. I can get in and out of transition in no time. (laughs) That's awesome. Rest of the time, not so fast, but that's okay. I I own that. (laughs) You own those transitions. That's a key part. That's free speed. Exactly. That's, that's the thing I love. (laughs) So how, let's take it back to your business. Yeah. How do you help people get through those inefficiencies in their businesses and their lives and Talk a little bit about what you do, please. Okay. Um, so we're excited. I love in particular working with athletes around optimizing their lives, right? Um, I had thought a long time about, you know, do I want to go the triathlon coach life? And then I thought, mm, that's not that's not where my skills lie, right? My skills lie in productivity, uh, in organization, in strategy around, like I said, optimizing all of those things. Um, So when I work with folks, um, I like to sort of look at life buckets, right? Like what's, what's going right? Where are we not so happy? Um, And where can we take control of, of some of those things and those um, sort of hidden gremlins, right? That are either real in, um, (laughs) like thinking they're real or fake, but they're, um, you know, where are things that uh, are actual problems and when, where are there places that it's just our minds getting in our ways, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So that's the kind of stuff I love to explore. I call those external versus internal blocks. Interesting. Okay. So the external things are things like money, schedule, Mm. credentials. And then internal is all the mental. Yeah. I see. I even think credentials may be a, an internal. I think that I agree. Yeah. I agree. But people <laughs> think it's an external block. Yeah, absolutely. So I go with that usually initially. Yeah, I agree. And looking at that with sport, oh my gosh. Like take that to a whole nother level. How so? So what we think in our minds about ourselves as athletes is usually complete BS. <laughs> so half the time, uh, we don't even think of ourselves as athletes. And I, I come from this, uh, you know, from my personal perspective, it took me two years of doing races, things that people, you know, would never attempt in their lives and never thinking of myself as an athlete until I literally had a coach who got in my face one day and said, you know, look around this room. Like you are an athlete more. So everybody else in here is, you know, intimidated to be in here with you. You are an athlete making that mind switch and those stories that we tell ourselves. Oh man, that's like the key to taking your life to another level. It is. I had, so I taught spinning years ago to an all women's triathlon team. 
Mm. And I would, it would kind of be during the warm up or during all the easy parts. It was a group coaching experience because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I wanted to talk. And so I asked people, I think, I think the question boiled down to, are you an athlete? And it was a group of like 15 women, all of whom had done try for a cure, which is a major women's only triathlon in Maine that supports cancer research. They'd all done it the year before. They were all doing it the next year. Like two of them said they were athletes and the rest all said no. Wow. And I was like, what? You guys did That's crazy. And you're doing more, but it sounds like you can relate to that. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, and I see it, you know, in our own, in our own team, the Bettys are the most ridiculous, amazing group of women, right? And they are, there's multiple Kona qualifiers and, and ITU racers and, and they'll come in and talk about a race and be like, oh, I really wasn't happy with how that went. And I'm like, are you, you finished like two hours before I would be done. <laughs> like, holy cow. If you're, if that's you on a bad day what are you like on a good day? And like, how do we get to more of those? Because you're starting at a pretty high level. Mm-hmm. And it just amazes me when, when women especially don't recognize that. Yeah, we don't see it at all, do we? No. We don't see, we don't, we tend to look, so like when you look at race results, which I don't do much mm-hmm. as my disclaimer, um, but if I do, I tend to look at the people ahead of me. And I'm like, how much did they beat me by? What uh-huh. do I need to improve? How much time do I need to take off in what sections of the race? I don't look at the people behind me. Right. And so, but what are those people behind me saying? What are they thinking? Like, I'm inspiring them. Yeah. And we're not, uh, as athletes, we rarely look at those people. We do on the race course. Right. Yeah. Right. And What's do you funny? take time, you know, my, one of my favorite things is taking the time at a race, especially the local, like the small local races. Those are what I prefer to do, what I enjoy doing. You know, do you take the time to talk to the people who are setting up next to you? You know, do you take the time to sort of listen in conversations and like listen for that newbie person who's trying to figure out what to do with their stuff and like help them? Yeah. You know, do you pass on little nuggets that like have helped you in the past? Like that for me is way more interesting than trying to get to the top of my age group. I, I love thinking about the fact that when you're setting up in transition area, kind of looking around me and being like, look at all these crazy people. Yeah. It's a Sunday morning. It's like 5 a.m. or something. And all the quote unquote normal people yeah. are recovering from a hangover. <laughs> <laughs> Or we're doing something else. They're sleeping in. And we're all here setting up, getting ready to like swim, bike, and run. It seems so normal to me to do a race. And like if a race is in a town, I'm like, doesn't everyone know that there's a race? No, because it's not not normal. It is atypical to go do these things for fun. Right. And yet none of us would ever think about like quitting. No. One of those things. I think uh, we had a race last year in May, I think it was May. Um, and it was low fifties, which I live in San Diego. So when it's not 70 degrees and sunny out, like we are, you know, think we're in Alaska. Um, so it was like low fifties. We had hail coming down. 
And I remember it was a, a group of friends and I, they're friends that I do an open water swim group with. And so we had all kind of signed up just to be like, well, let's just do it. We'll see what happens and we'll just have fun together. And I was standing in line with my buddy, Matt, and the, the heavens just opened and it's, we're like getting pelted. And uh, I looked at him and I was like, Matt, I'm not having fun. <laughs> like this is ridiculous this is not what I signed up for and he just looked at me and he was like we're going we're doing it we're going let's go and we did right and I, I was shocked because I thought for sure this race would have a massive drop-off it was like people aren't gonna show there's gonna be so much empty space and transition and like everybody's as crazy as we are yeah it was packed and you're just out there on the course getting pelted and just laughing you know, next to people and just looking at each other like, why are we, like, where is the screw loose in our brains that we are doing this? But it's so much fun. <laughs> it's almost, I mean, I, again, I hate being cold, but I remember when we lived in Maine, I had one season where it felt like every, every race was pouring rain and cold. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so every time I had a training, like out on my bike, Riding in the rain, I was like, good, I'm training for this season. Yeah. But yeah, like, like that's the other level of crazy. Most people are sleeping in, snuggling, and, and here we are just, I'm going to go some bike and run. Why wouldn't I? Yeah. Well, that's why I think we're so well poised to succeed in other areas of our lives, right? Because a sport like this teaches you that it's just the mental willpower of putting one foot in front of the other. That's all it is. Yeah. And so when you, you train for a sport, you train for an endurance event, it is day in, day out, are you willing to put in that step of work in order to get to that final goal? That's what it teaches us. When yeah. no one else is watching, are you willing to go get in the pool when it's cold and it's 5.30 in the morning? Mm -hmm. Are you willing to ask your legs to push a little bit harder? Are you willing to, you know, deal with your lungs feeling like they're going to explode for, for nothing, right? Like there's nothing on the line here. We're not making no, money off of this. Medal. Right. And you know when I want those medals? I want them when I go to like when I do a ride in the pouring rain or hail. That's when I want to finish with the medal, not so much when I get into the race. <laughs> right. 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 You're like, no, that was fun at the race. I don't really yeah. need a, a token. <laughs> exactly. So, so what does being an athlete mean to you? Oh, for me, it's, it's something that I never thought I could be. Um, growing up, I, and I was a, I was a competitive equestrian growing up. So I've always been competitive, but horseback riding doesn't require the greatest of physical fitness, at least the stuff that I did. And so I always looked at, at people I grew up with who were athletes as being other or elite or, you know, naturally talented. Um, it was never something that I thought I was, you know, born to do. It wasn't a, a natural skill of mine. Um, so coming to, to racing later in life, because I didn't do my first triathlon until I was almost 30, um, it, it's just completely changed my mindset uh, around 
what I could do and what I thought I could do um, and the limitations that I thought I had. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a deep. That's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I got deep real fast. Good. Cause I don't do shallow very well. I got bored there. (laughs) Um, Okay. So you were talking about how we were talking about athletes and their buckets Mm-hmm. And actually, so, so we kind of, this whole episode is prompted by my curiosity lately about mm-hmm. people who are athletes and entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. because I think there's something different about us and mm-hmm. about balancing this like crazy lifestyle. Like athletes, as we've just discussed, are crazy. Yep. And Entrepreneurs, by most people's standards, are crazy. Yep. So what are your what are your thoughts on the whole athlete entrepreneur paradigm? Yeah. I I think so there there are a couple things. Um one, you you have to be so self-motivated in both aspects, right? In order to launch a business or work for yourself you have to be willing to set your own schedule and keep to that schedule. You have to be willing to, like we said, do the work when no one is watching. It's the same with being an athlete and racing. Um, you know, this far off goal that seems intangible, whether it be a race or it's a product launch or, um, you know, selling an event or anything that's, that's, we can't grasp it yet, but you have to have faith that, the pieces you're doing day in, day out are going to deliver on that final goal. That's one of the biggest things what triathlon has taught to me is it's, it's those one hour, two hour workouts every day, day in, day out. That's going to allow you to do that seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 hour race. Yeah. It's the little, the baby steps. Yeah. Yeah. It's consistency. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. And consistency Absolutely. over years. It's so yes. interesting when somebody launches a business and just a couple months in, they're like, well, I'm not making a profit yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's going to take a while. <laughs> Did you think you were going to already? That, yeah. that would be so amazing. Yeah. 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 But that's, again, it's that idea of, um, of success and the, that outside picture of success that we see with people. Um, and I won't even go into all the evils of social media and what that's doing to our picture of success. Um, you know, the stuff day in, day out is not pretty. Yeah. It's it's not glamorous. It's not fun half the time, (laughs) but it's so rewarding. So I think that's a huge piece of, um, why athletes tend to be attuned into, uh, entrepreneurship and I think we're just let we're willing to suffer Mm. yeah I think that's a really interesting way of putting it because I think you're right like I think we're willing to suffer and is it because we just have we're more likely to have the faith that the suffering is worth it I think we just like it I don't know. I think there's a little bit of masochism in every athlete that's like, 
yeah, this hurts and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with dipping into that, that pain cave yeah. and going there. And we're more willing to sacrifice for that, for that ultimate goal, right? Like we're willing to, you know, call it a night, eight o'clock on a Friday night and go to bed and choose that over, you know, going out and drinking because we know we got to get up and do work. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're more willing to, uh, or we should be more willing to, to cut to the chase with, um, you know, the things that we know will make us effective versus the sort of mind games that we play with ourselves. I love, um, I've had the privilege of, of being part of the team Sirius group, which is run by Siri Lindley, who's, um, you know, world championship triathlete and she coaches the best in the world. Um, and I remember somebody was asking her one day about cutting weight for, for racing, you know, how do I drop my winter pounds? And she was pretty much like, don't go in the refrigerator. <laughs> She's like, you know, it's that, it's that self-discipline and that willpower to be like, I'm not hungry right now, so I'm not going to eat something. <laughs> and I think so often, um, as a, as a culture in general, we're looking for shortcuts and we're looking for, you know, magic pills and, and really the, the answer is close the refrigerator door. Uh, that is actually such a good analogy for, for coaching and for doing this like deep work and people, people want to just flip the switch yeah. and I want to be confident now. I want to have my brand new job, brand new life right now. You got to do the work. Yeah. 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 And it's an everyday, it's an everyday fight back and forth, right? Yeah, absolutely. Every day you're making the decision to move forward. Yeah. Or to, or to go back and check on something like to build your foundation stronger, but you're making a decision every single day, every single moment of every day. Yeah. And making the decision and then acting on it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I think is also a huge, a huge thing people are struggling with nowadays is, is just taking the action. Um, I see this a lot with some of the, the, people that I mentor and work with and, you know, they'll write an email. I'll ask them to send an email or something. And that email will take them 45 minutes to draft and to go over and to check with me and then to make something and then to check. And I'm like, just push the button. (laughs) It's not a big deal. You know, unless you are outright like being blatantly disrespectful, it's not a, it's not a big deal. If you make a mistake, you go back and apologize. You correct it. You know, it's not, it was these, we can't be spending our time on this. We got other things to do. We got bigger things to do than to fret for 45 minutes about one email. We're, my husband and I were actually talking about this recently. So one of my strengths finder strengths is an activator, which means mm. I take action. I don't mm-hmm. like to, I make a decision and I act on it. Yeah. Pretty much immediately. Yep. And We've noticed lately, let's delete the word lately, noticed, period, yeah. that people, people love to just, they love to go over the problem again and again and again and again. Like how many different ways can we describe the problem? How many ways can we wallow yeah. in the misery of the problem? Okay, do something. Yeah. Stop talking about the problem. Yeah. Try something. Test something. If it doesn't work, do something different. Yeah, we won't know that that 
it's not going to work until we try it. So yeah. try it so we can fail, so we can move on to something else. Right. Fail or succeed. Yeah. <laughs> <But> there's always <laughs> the possibility that sweet is going to work on the first try. Yeah. But you won't know yeah. that until you try it. Yeah, it's fast. It's it's really fascinating, and I think too with um, just the way the way the workforce has moved and into this more white collar, um, you know, sitting at desks all day, looking at emails. I mean, emails have become people's jobs and all that conditions us to do is just to talk about things rather than to take action on things. Yeah. Are you familiar with Gretchen Rubin's four tendencies? I'm not super familiar. I'm aware of it, but not. Okay. So I, I just know a little bit about it, but there are these four tendencies. There's, and it's how you respond to expectations. So there's somebody who will respond to internal and external expectations. And that's the upholder and somebody who responds to external expectations, but not internal expectations. That's an obliger. Mm -hmm. Somebody who isn't so into external expectations and they kind of make everything into an internal expectation. That's Mm -hmm. a questioner. And then somebody who doesn't care at all about any external or internal expectations is a rebel. Hmm. Thinking back about the intrinsic motivations that both entrepreneurs and athletes require. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if, if we tend to fall in one of those categories more than the others. I'm a questioner. Yeah. Uh... Maybe. I mean, questioner or rebels, maybe. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, hmm. I'd have to do more research to, to formulate a full opinion on it. it well, and it's interesting to think like athletes versus coaches. And so if an athlete is a questioner, right, and your coach is the person who, and your coach is your person who formulates your entire plan, there is some data there, at least the athletes that I've seen working with coaches who go back and question every single piece. And yet the most successful ones tend to be the ones who just shut up and do what's said in front of them. Yeah. And that's an interesting, I hadn't thought about that relationship and I have a coach and I trust, I trust him. Mm -hmm. And so his external, like what could be an external expectation Mm-hmm. what's on my plan is it becomes an internal expectation for me mm. so if for me like if it's you know if a dietitian were to tell me what to eat all I do the if it makes sense to me then I'm mm-hmm. all in mm-hmm. but if I have I'll just question it until it makes sense to me mm. that's more clarifying yeah. yeah yeah I agree with that it's like it's like I'm gonna take this and make it my own mm-hmm and then we're good. Hmm, interesting. So you have to have some ownership around it. Yeah. Which makes sense. Um, I think about too with this idea of visionaries versus executors, right? So where athletes, I would suspect, run into some problems is if they're used to doing the everyday work and they're willing to do that everyday work, but if they don't have um, leadership 
right? Or they don't have a higher vision of where they're going, you're going to run into some problems. So I firmly believe like with a, a business, you need both types. You need somebody who's, who's out there, fully committed, believes in the vision, believes in the goal, set in the direction. And then you need the people who are like, okay, I'm going to take that and I'm going to run with it. You got to let me run with it, but we're going to make it happen. Yes. So I'm, I'm, I'd be curious to see with uh, entrepreneurs who are athletes where that falls. I think one thing that is coming up for me as you talk is we need a team. Hmm. Like we can't do it by ourselves because we're not going to have all the strengths that we need yeah. to be exceptional. Yeah. So to have somebody that's a big picture person and have somebody who's uh, nitty gritty. Yeah. And that's where bringing it full circle, working with a coach, not necessarily an athletic coach, but working with a coach like you or like me helps to bring that vision up, right? Helps you to get that balcony view and yeah. understand the fuller picture. Yeah. Yeah. Cause well, I'm, I'm loving this right now. So I've probably said it already on the podcast, but you can't leave the, read the label from inside the jar. You need somebody else to read it for you. That's funny. <laughs> you need the full recipe. <laughs> yeah. You need somebody else to tell you, to, to be a mirror for you, to reflect yes. it back to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We can talk ourselves into circles for days, years, years even. Yeah. yeah, yeah With yeah. things like the belief that you're not an athlete. Right. And so when, when you coach, are you, what kind of coach are you? Are you, cause I'm, I'm kind of a hard, hard liner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this, but yes, um, please okay, do. Good. I'm a hard ass. Um, so no, that doesn't I'm, even count. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so, you know, I'm more gonna, I'm, uh, I think back to this, this story I had of a friend of mine who I love so dearly many, many years ago, she was living with a guy who was just not so nice. And, and they had a fight one night and she called and she was upset and she said, can I come stay with you? And I said, absolutely, of course. And, you know, I picked her up and fed her ice cream and got her back on her feet. And uh, a month or two later, it happened again. And I said, no. <laughs> so the friend is like, we've been through this. We did this once. Now you go back and you stand up and you, you know, he leaves, not you. We're not doing this again. And she's so angry with me. She's so mad, but I am, I'm not the friend who, who coddles. I'll coddle when you need it, but you know, then we're going to fix it and, and you're going to stand up. So that's the kind of coach, but I'm curious about what kind of coach. Wait, did it work? Yeah. I mean, I, we're still good friends. So okay, good. <laughs> many, many years. Friends. Yes. Yeah. She, she married a wonderful man who is not that guy. <laughs> good. Um, so I always believe that my clients have all the answers. Hmm. Uh, but I do that said, so I ask questions to help them figure it out. And I always, we talked a little bit before we hit record, before we dealt with all of the technical issues that I dealt with on my end, um, that, uh, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> what are we, talking about? we were talking about what type of coach you are. Yeah. Okay. So as my, my we were also talking answers. about your ADD earlier. Yeah. My clients have all the answers. I ask the questions and I never have any idea where they're going to go. Like sometimes mm-hmm. I have an idea in my head and I just shut up and let them answer. And I'm always 
am always surprised by what hmm. they come up with. And it's always something that I didn't see coming. Yeah. It's always brilliant. That said, I do deliver a unicorn bitch slap when needed. Yeah. Which <laughs> would, it's often when somebody is, well, they're shitting on themselves. They're mm-hmm. just not seeing how amazing they are. Yeah. So this might go back to what you were talking about earlier about teammates saying they had a bad race and they had just like this incredible performance. Yeah. And just saying, hey, yeah. you actually are an amazing individual, an amazing yeah. athlete or whatever it is that the person shines at. Yeah. yeah. Actually, see, you're a questioner. Like you said, you're a questioner. Yeah, I'm a very curious person. Okay. So I follow my curiosity in all things I do. Gotcha. I like that. I like, uh, I don't know if I would say, I was, I'm curious so much as I, uh, I like to explore and try. So I guess it's curious in a way. Um, but yeah, I like, to, I like to just try a bunch of different things and see what I like and what I stick and what sticks for my clients and and you know if it doesn't serve you toss it mm-hmm. which uh it's amazing how people have a hard time doing that <laughs> how we get into these patterns right <laughs> yes it's so okay so the way you just described that i picture you standing outside a dressing room in a store mm-hmm. with people just like trying things on try it on does it work does it work does it work and it's amazing, like, imagine, like, you try something on, and you're like, no, it doesn't work. In fact, it's kind of scratchy and uncomfortable, but it's okay. I'll wear it. <laughs> okay. It's what? cheap. Yeah. It's in my budget. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't fit you, and it itches. Take that off. Yeah, totally. It doesn't fit you. Exactly. Oh, God. And yet, so many people do that with their jobs, with relationships. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's miserable, but it's okay. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not okay. Yeah. I think that's something you, you come to, at least I know I've come to more as I've gotten older, because I very much thought that life had to be figured out when I was 22, mm-hmm. right? And I thought I had this like set path and a set ladder to climb and then very quickly discovered that it didn't exist. And of course I graduated right around the 2008 recession. So that made work life a whole different, different ball game, right? Like everything we knew about the world and the way you were supposed to behave in a corporate structure just kind of collapsed. There were no bonuses. There were no raises there. You know, you were lucky to have a job and like take your minimum wage and like Mm -hmm. be grateful. Um, And so I, I so wish I had, had the understanding of like, I could be an entrepreneur when I was younger because it's not something I came to until much later. Um, and, and, and this idea of, it doesn't even have to be a forever life thing. Yeah. Which is what scares people so often. If I commit to this now, you know, what is it going to be in five years? Well, who knows, you know, who cares? Maybe dead in five years. So Mm -hmm. just do it, do it now. Yeah, I th- I remember when we when we bought our house in Maine, we thought it was going to be our forever house. Mm. And we sold it ten years later. Yep, and we traveled around the country having no house. Yeah, and then when we bought this house in Florida, we were very much like, we love it right now. Yeah, and we might stay here forever. We might stay here for three years. Like, there's no more any 
there's so much more freedom to yeah. that concept right now. And I think that we do that with so many things in our lives. Yeah. We forget that it's all an experiment. Yeah. Actually, material things, jobs. Now, when it comes to things with a heartbeat, you know, you got to be a yeah. lot more careful there. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> you adopt you a puppy. return a dog. A puppy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I like that we both went to dogs yeah. there. <laughs> you know, same thing. You get, you, you, you know, you marry somebody, you got to look at that long term. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to, but when it comes to jobs, especially, oh my gosh, I just kick myself. And I like, I would jump from job to job and I could never figure out like, why am I, why am I not sticking? Like, why is this and everything I get into infuriate me after two years? Um, and it just, it took a while for me to realize that like, I just wasn't built for it. Mm-hmm. It's what? interesting because I don't really remember the moment for me, but I do remember the moment. This is, I worked for the government as a marine biologist. I was in DC. I worked in a cubicle. Mm-hmm. I had to wear like work clothes, which is, I mean, now I wear tanked up and running shorts every day. Um, And I remember looking around the table once and I had just gone over Myers-Briggs types Mm -hmm. and just learned that and going around the table and realizing that everybody else that I was working with, they loved this Mm. and it was their strengths Mm. and it it fit their personality perfect. And that was what gave me the freedom of like, I'm not supposed to be here. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Just like nothing about me is meant to be here. Just because this is what my degree is in, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean I need to keep doing this. I'm yeah. still super curious and super passionate about marine science, but I'll contribute to it in a different way. Yeah. I've got lives to change. Yeah. 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 The field in general is so, is so fascinating, the leadership development field, because I came from um, a very large leadership development organization. Uh, which is a global nonprofit. It's all they do is leadership. And so I kind of got to learn from the best of the best. And, and I got into it um, really in the nitty gritty. I was hired as like a short-term event planner. So I was in the room um, interacting with the participants and interacting with the people, the faculty experts. And um, so it was fascinating to watch people like go through entire shifts within a week. Right. Yeah. They're only there for five days and they're there because their company sent them and they know nothing about this. But by the end of the week, like they're walking out and they're like, this was awesome. This is so cool. And it's just a, a self-awareness. I mean, it seems so simple to us now, but the number of people going through life who are completely not self-aware and don't understand why they're doing the things they're doing. Um, yeah, whether they're caught up in inertia or they're motivated by, you know, just bringing home a paycheck or, um, it's, it's just fascinating. You give it just a couple of little tools and start poking at those holes, um, and to see people bloom. It's so cool. Yeah. All they need to know is like, is, is you have the freedom to look at yourself and to make decisions for yourself. Mm-hmm. Be conscious. Yeah. Yeah. You get to create your your life. Yeah. And I think so many, so many humans spend so much time 
just trying to busy themselves. Like, so they don't, Hmm. so they don't look inside. Sure. They don't realize if they're happy or not. They're just trying so hard to follow the rules and just get it done. And then, you know, make life good for their kids. Yeah. Just hurry through until they die. Yeah. That's the part that like scares me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not to go super dark, but that, that idea of that like final deadline. And did you, you know, what did you do it for? What did, you know, did you spend those days that are happy? I mean, I love, there's a quote James Taylor has in a song. It's the secret to life is enjoying the passage of time. That's mm. something I think about every day. It's like, am I happy? doing whatever I'm doing. And if not, then why? And now yeah. sometimes, sometimes you've got to do those things, right? Like you still, you still got to have a job. You still got to bring home money. And, um, but you know, is there a different way? Can you find a different exit? Um, yeah, now I'm losing my thought, but. <laughs> but I'm with you completely. Like we are here for a limited amount of time. Yeah. And some people like to think like, oh, we've got plenty of time to do stuff. And well, the thing is, who knows? Yeah. We really have no idea. So yeah, I do ask myself, like, if this is my last day, is this, is this how I want to spend it? Yeah. I think about that when I'm racing too. Um, I, I've talked to a lot of people about, you know, what do you think about when you're racing? Like, what, are, what is your mind on? And for me, when I'm racing, I'm always thinking, like, when this is over, have I put everything into it that I've got? Am I going to be happy when I cross that finish line that, like, I left it out there and there was no more room for me to be, like, coulda, woulda, shouldas? Yeah. I know it's a good race for me, certainly, when I finish done. Yeah. And also, if while I'm racing, I just have that spark of like, we, oh my God, I get to do this. This yeah. is so fun. Yeah, exactly. When you start putting all these time pressures on ourselves, um, man, that goes out the window real quick, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you start comparing yourself to the other people in our age group. I remember having a conversation with some um, women once and, and they were very hung up on like, well, who's in your age group and who are you competing with for your slots for Kona? And I'm like, I have no freaking clue. I don't know anybody who's like doing this race, nor do I really care. Like I want to not drown on the swim and I want to not crash and like have, have a good time on the bike. And then, you know, I want to get through the run because that's probably my least favorite thing. But <laughs> That's my goal. Yeah. For me, it's all about play. Mm. And just remembering that it's fun. And, and I don't like to, I like to, I do like to make friends at every race. Mm -hmm. I don't like to know who's in my age group. I don't like to, I I mean, I know I'll make up stories and then I can coach myself around them. Yeah. But I'd rather save myself the energy of not having to go through that step and just go in feeling free. Yeah. I wonder too if the expectations change around, um, you know, being a high-powered athlete versus you know somebody like me who goes in it and I'm like I I know I'm not going to win my age group and I'm okay with that. 
um, you know, I'm on, I'm on a different scale, right? Even though we're all in the age group, I think mm -hmm. we're all like operating on different scales. And so I wonder if, if folks who are maybe used to placing higher um, put more expectations on themselves to always be yeah. at that top level. I used to in Maine, um, people would say to me like, Oh, you're racing this weekend. Are you going to win? <laughs> and I hated, hated that because yeah. I hated the pressure and I'd be like, I have no idea. That would be great, but I have yeah. no idea. And I was talking to my business coach at the time, sharing that with her. And she told me, she was like, Kelsey, I would say the same thing to you. And it's not because I have any expectation that you're going to win. It's because I believe in you that much. Mm. And I was like, That's cool. Oh, total eye-opening moment. Yeah. People, it doesn't, winning doesn't mean, like, it doesn't mean I expect you to win. Yeah. I just know you can. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank you. Then yeah. thank you. Yeah. And then, you know, if, if you do expect to win or can win, are you optimizing everything around that to yeah. do it? Yeah. And I still believe that every race is an experiment. Again, like, what happens if I go harder on the bike? Mm -hmm. What happens on the run? Yeah, totally. You never know. What's the consequence? Yeah. Absolutely. I love um, one of the things, again, going back to, to Siri and, and her wonderful wife, uh, Rebecca Keat, who also coaches in the group. Um, I asked once about like, well, time, like time goals, like, what do you, how do you like break out a, a race plan? And she was like, she's like that whole, like, you know, I'm going to swim this fast and I'm going to bike this fast. And she's like, that's stupid. Don't do that. <laughs> it's like, you can't control that, which is so true. You don't know what the weather is going to be. You don't know what the road conditions are going to be. Uh, you don't know if some guy's going to cut you off or you're going to get stuck in a draft pack or what, like, to throw out those mini expectations, but hold yourself to a higher standard to do your best. Yeah. Yeah. I came from a swimming background where, yeah, we had, you had best times and every pool was the same, more mm -hmm. or less. It felt like some pools were faster. Some races you'd be tapered and shaved for, but really you could compare your times and when I first started triathlon, my parents would be like, so did you get your best time? I was like, we'll see. Yes or no, but it's a completely different course. Yeah. I actually matter. have no idea what my times are for any race. And yeah, you, we just, I think it's actually a good lesson in everything is different. All yeah. the conditions are different. And we're going to perform differently on every day. Yeah. And, and again, it's amazing to me how many athletes then get caught up in, in the times and don't take in those ex external conditions into factor, right? So they're automatically going to look at, well, last year I was, I don't know, two minutes faster, right? Well, this year I failed. Or I failed to PR. That's another thing. It's like, I expect to PR at every single race. But that's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> that's nuts. It's just, why put those expectations? Like, there's a difference between, like, standards and expectations. Mm, yes. And I don't like expectations. No. 
you, and you can't, I mean, you just can't, you don't know who else is going to show up on the day and you don't know what, what's going to get tossed at it. All you can control is how you handle that adversity, how you show up and what kind of attitude yeah. you have. You can control your, your effort. You can tr control your nutrition, like what goes into your body. You mm -hmm. can't always control how your body's going to respond to that. No. And yeah, you can respond to how you, or you can control how you respond to everything that comes up because a lot comes up. We don't always realize how many decisions we make yeah. throughout a race. But my goal at the end of each race is just to finish done. And I saw yeah. somewhere in our adventures, I saw in the back of an RV, it said, if anything is left, we miscalculated. <laughs> and that's, that's basically my mantra Yeah, for every finish line. Yeah. If anything's left, I miscalculated. Yeah. And so there's your correlation to athlete entrepreneurs, yeah. right? They're just willing to leave it all out there. Because we have it all. And I know that we can't, we, our bodies protect us from yeah. actually leaving everything out there. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> so we can, I heard this quote that endurance is, is continuing on despite our, our mounting desire to stop. Mm -hmm. Yep. One foot in front of the other. Yep. It's, it's, it is, it's mental over body. Mm -hmm. So, so often. And yeah, you're, you're, you look at somebody like, uh, uh, Julie Moss, right? Like her body told yeah. her no when it, when it was too much, <laughs> when it was dangerous, her body flat out said no. Yeah. And then she used her mind to go a little bit further to crawl, to yeah. crawl the rest of the way. Yeah. Uh -huh. Andy, this has been amazing. We've gone, I kind of lost track of time here. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's close it up. How can people learn more about you? So you can find me, the best place to find me is uh, theanxioustriathlete.com. It's my, um, <laughs> I can see you laughing. Um, so that was my uh, beginner triathlon blog. And now um, it's, it's my new um, avenue towards building triathlon and leadership together. Um, so yeah, you can check me out there and then you can find me on the Instagrams. Of course, uh, yeah. my handle there is Annie Appy, like happy without an H. Awesome. Yeah. We'll put it on the show notes so people can find you. Thank, Thank you so you. much for sharing yourself with us. Oh, you're so welcome. Anytime. This was fun, sister. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to the Find Your Awesome podcast. I'd like to invite you to head over to KelseyAbbott.com to grab a series of short meditations. And please come join the Find Your Awesome group on Facebook. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please tell the world in whatever way feels good to you. And please leave a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for being part of this crazy adventure. Yeah.